Chapter 9 of Idela. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Taylor Winstead. Idela by Sarah Grand. Chapter 8. Idela's low self-esteem for mere animal courage was probably due to the fact that she possessed it herself in a high degree. Yet soon after I met her I began to suspect, and was afterwards convinced, that something in her manner which had puzzled me at first arose from fear. There was that in her life which made her afraid of the world, which would, had it guessed the truth, have pried with curious eyes into her sorrow, and found an interest in seeing her suffer. The trouble was her husband. She rarely spoke of him herself, and I think I ought to follow her example and say as little about him as possible. He was jealous of her jealous of her popularity, and jealous of everyone who approached her. He carried it so far that she scarcely dared to show a preference, and was even obliged to be cold and reserved with some of her best friends. I was a privileged person, allowed to be intimate with her from the first, partly because I insisted on it when I saw how matters stood, and partly because my position and reputation gave me a right to insist. I never had occasion to brave insults for her sake, but, like many others, I would have done so had it been necessary. Her friends were constantly being driven from her on one pretext or another. People would have taken her part readily enough had she complained, but complaint was contrary to her nature and her principles. Some, who suspected the truth, blamed her reticence, but I always thought it right, and on one occasion when we approached the subject indirectly I told her silence is best. I ought to have qualified the advice, for she carried it too far, and was silent afterwards when she should have spoken. That is to say, when it had become evident that endurance was useless and degrading. She fought hard to preserve her dignity, and was determined that, as the husband is, the wife is, should not be true in her case. But he did lower her insensibly, nevertheless. As her life became more and more unendurable, she became a little reckless in speech. It was a sort of safety valve by means of which she gained her composure, and I soon began to recognize the sign and to judge of the amount she had suffered by the lengths to which she afterwards went in search of relief the extent to which suffering made her untrue to herself. As a rule, when with him, she was yielding, but she had fits of determination, too, when she knew she was right. One night, as they were driving home from a ball together, her husband suddenly declared that he would not allow her to be one of the patronesses of a fancy fair, which was to be held for a charitable purpose, although she had already consented and he had made no objection at the time. "'But why may I not?' Adela asked. "'Because I object. Do you hear? I will not have it, and you must withdraw.' I must decline to obey any such arbitrary injunction, she answered quietly. He detained her on the doorstep until the carriage had driven round to the stables. Now, are you going to obey me? he asked. Yes, if you give me a reason for what you require, she answered wearily. Oh, you are obstinate, are you? he rejoined in a jeering tone. Well, stay in the garden and think it over. Perhaps reflection will make you more dutiful. I shall tell your maid you will not want her tonight. When you have made up your mind, you can ring. And so saying, he walked into the house and shut the door upon her. It was a summer night, but Idela felt chilly with only a thin shawl over her ball dress. She walked about as long as she could, but fatigue overcame her at last, and she was obliged to lie down on one of the garden seats. She wrapped the train of her dress round her shoulders and lay looking up at the stars. The air was heavy with the scent of flowers. The night was very still. Once or twice the rush of a passing train in the distance became audible, and the ceaseless, solemn, inarticulate murmur of the night was broken by a nightingale that sang out at intervals divinely. Idilla never thought of submitting. She simply lay there, waiting without expecting. The night air overcame her more and more with a sense of fatigue, but she could not sleep. 
She saw the darkness fade and the dawn appear, and when at last the servants began to move in the house, she watched her opportunity and slipped in unobserved. She went to one of the spare rooms, undressed, rang, and got into bed. When the bell was answered, she ordered a hot bath and a hot coffee immediately. The maid supposed she had slept there and seemed surprised, but as her mistress offered no explanation, she could make no remark, and so the matter ended. But I do not think Idila suffered much on that occasion. Her strong young womanhood saved her somewhat, and there was a charm for her in the beauty of the night and the novelty of her position, which a less healthy organism would not have appreciated had it been able to discover it at such a time. End of chapter 9